and welcome to the Sheffield United podcast. It is Tuesday the 28th of November and I'm going to be taking a look at our one all draw with Birmingham City this weekend. Uh, my name is Ben, in case you didn't know already. Uh, I'm, of course, a Sheffield United fan. Um, in this podcast, I recorded a few minutes of kind of uh, half-time reaction from the match. Um, I also recorded a little bit of instant reaction when I got home. I tried to record it at full-time at Bramall Lane, but it didn't come out too well. So um, I've just got a sort of a, a minute or two from when I got home, just my quick, quickly processed thoughts, I guess. Um and then I'm going to get into a slightly more detailed analysis of the game, um, looking at some of the uh, sort of advanced metrics on our performance, um, some of the things I really liked from the game, some of the things I didn't like so much, and I guess a couple of things that uh, I expect will improve in the next game or two, just based on the kind of players we're going to be getting back into the team, and I guess some of the adjustments that uh, I think we can probably expect the management to make uh, after these last two results as well. So, okay, that's all to come. Uh, here is my quick reaction from the game itself. So it's uh, half-time here at Bromelain. Lane, uh, Birmingham lead 1-0, uh, uh, they have scored from literally their first shot of the entire game uh, and they haven't had another one since. Uh, it's the fourth consecutive game that United have conceded a goal from 20 yards or more. Uh, Blackman got a hand to it, I don't know, it's probably a bit of a stretch to say he should have saved it but perhaps he will feel he should have done having got a hand on it. Uh, I'm pretty annoyed as you can probably tell from my tone of voice, uh, United have essentially if not dominated the game so far, then had the entire half played in Birmingham's half. Uh, Lundstrom forced a good save from a pullback from the left, and then Clark also put one wide from a pullback from the left, and really uh, a 1-0 scoreline to Birmingham is, is very harsh on us. Um, yeah, I'm hoping that we you know, continue this balance of play into the second half and get the two goals that mean that we deserve, uh, get the win that we deserve, to be honest. So, uh, yep, here we go. Right, so uh, just recording a little bit of instant reaction, which unfortunately didn't come through at Bramall Lane, but uh, you know, I drew 1-1 with Birmingham. Uh, frustrating game, really. Uh, you know, Birmingham had that single shot. I don't recall them having many slash any shots in the second half, apart from, you know, they broke into the box a couple of times, but that really was it. Uh, you know, I admittedly didn't create too much, but, you know, clearly the better team, I think. Um... Clark equalised with a, a nice finish, got his you know customary goal. Um, but yeah, frustrating to kind of uh, only get one point out of these two games when I think three to four to six is probably a fair reflection of the way we played. But you know these things happen. A team scores from outside the box, and you know you can't quite get it going yourself. But um, I think we should probably take some, you know, a, a more than a more than reasonable amount of consolation from the fact that we were the better team. I think that's kind of indisputable. Um, I think uh, in midfield Lundstrom was uh, better than Tuesday, um, and I thought it was fun on Tuesday. So I'm, I'm very curious to see if people, you know, still kind of condemn him as the worst footballer of all time, which seems to be the uh, consensus at the minute. Uh, Fleck was also excellent. Clark was fantastic. Uh, I thought Wright was very good at the back. Made a couple of uh, vital um, tackles in the first half. Um, and yeah, so we finally drew a game. Frustrating to do so, but uh, on we go, I suppose. So 
So there we go. Um, I'm pleased to say I'm feeling a bit more upbeat on a Tuesday, which is kind of the point of this podcast, I guess, to take a bit more of a, a step back and kind of look at these things a little bit more objectively, a little less in the heat of the moment. Um, but yeah, I guess the first thing to say is we finally drew a game. <laughs> After 26 games and 285 days, uh, and exactly eight months actually since uh, we drew one all with um, with Oldham, uh, yeah, we finally drew a game, and it was uh, it it was an, an unusual sensation, and yeah, not one I expected to experience again. Um, perhaps unsurprisingly, uh, given that fourteen goals were scored in our previous two home games, uh, this this game was a little less eventful. Obviously, finished uh, one all. Birmingham took the lead in the first half with a long range shot, uh, and then Clark equalised in the second half with a very nice finish. Um, I think I nailed most of the events from the game in my quick reaction, so I'll not repeat myself unnecessarily there. Um, but yeah, just to kind of round out the summary of the match, uh, I think our only other chances of note, aside from the goal, um, you know, which again was a really good finish by Clark, but I guess Birmingham will probably feel they could have closed him down a little bit faster. Um, but we had two long-range efforts from Lundstrom, one in the first half, which forced a good save, the other one which he mishit sort of well wide. Um, and then the only other chance was a pullback from the left that Clark put wide uh, from about the penalty spot. You know, n- not a gimme of a chance, but one I sort of expected him to score purely because that's what he's been doing for the last month or two. Um, you know, I was already on my feet as he as he hit it, almost thinking this is this is definitely going in the back of the net, but uh, sadly not to be. Um, there's still nine goals in four games for Clark if you're keeping count, and and you definitely should, uh, which is is remarkable. And uh, yeah, he just continues to look like uh, the best striker in the championship, which you know statistically he he absolutely is at the moment. Um, Birmingham had no real chances, uh, or even even more pot shots from long range of note, uh, outside of a mix-up between Blackman and Wright, uh, which eventually led to a, a weak shot towards goal that O'Connell cleared quite comfortably, uh, and it may even have been going wide anyway, it's, it's hard to tell on the replays. Um, this was either, I guess, tremendous awareness by Wright to know there were no attackers around him when he took the touch away from Blackman towards his own goal, or very risky. <laughs> Uh, he did, certainly didn't look around to check <laughs> to see if anybody was there, uh, but I think he's earned the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, th- this is a guy whose role basically specialises in in staying back, knowing where the defenders are. So I think it's fair that he probably knew there was nobody near him when he took that touch. So you know, you can say that was good defending by him to sort of take command of a potentially risky situation and eventually get it sorted out and get it cleared via O'Connell. Um, once again, as with Tuesday, we threw on Brooks and Carruthers relatively early. Uh, I think they came on in the 68th minute. So, you know, they had the thick end of, of kind of 25, 30 minutes to try and have an impact on the game. But I didn't really feel that either of them did very much, to be honest. I mean, uh, you know, Brooks gets credited with the assist for the equaliser. Although much of the work was done by uh, a neat bit of play down the left by O'Connell, who broke into the box, beat his man, and then turned it back for Brooks, who in turn laid it off for Clark to uh, to arrow a shot into the bottom left corner with his right foot. Um, I guess Brooks had the last half chance of the game when he, he got in the box down the left again. Uh, he tried to turn back inside rather than pull the trigger on his left foot, which I, I thought he was going to do. Uh, unfortunately, it was crowded out um, when he turned back inside, and that, that actually proved to be the final kick of the game. Um, it was a bit of a strange atmosphere at the end. Uh, I guess we're just not used to drawing games, um, which is is fair. Uh, either way, I was I was more disappointed than I was after the Fulham game. Um, I think that's testament to Birmingham's defending and you know they went the way they they managed the game, which yes includes 
you know, time wasting that every team does, as I always say, um, and just generally, you know, being slow tempo, keeping a lot of men back. Um, but, you know, it also, it also speaks to a, a little bit of a lack of spark from ourselves as well. Um, it would be nice to keep the dream of automatic promotion alive um, with, you know, with four or six points from these two games. But as I said a few weeks ago, we should also take a step back and appreciate how far this team has come in the last 15 or 16 months. You know, the comparative budgets we're up against. Birmingham, you know, I think spent around 13 to 15 million this summer alone. And the fact the last two teams that have come to Bromall Lane have been delighted not to lose, as most other teams have done. So, you know, a little bit of disappointment, but I think if you do take it a step back, you sort of, and Wilder kind of alluded to this in his post-match interview as well, you do kind of, um, you know, see what an incredible achievement it is to have got us this far. And, you know, we're only a couple of points out of those automatic spots. We're sitting very nicely in the playoffs, so there's still a, a lot for... Um, a lot of reasons for encouragement and general positivity, I think, even if the last two results were, you know, not what we were kind of hoping for. Um, okay, so let's let's move on to look at some of the data from this game and what we can potentially learn from it. Okay, so I looked at the sort of um, the standard statistics from this game, and I think they're they're kind of what you'd expect from having watched it. Um, according to the website SofaScore, uh, we dominated possession with 68%, which is um, a vast margin, really. Uh, and, you know, again, not to hark back to the dark days, but if you'd said 18 months ago that we would have that level of possession against a championship team, I really don't think I would have believed you. Um, we completed close to three times the number of passes as Birmingham as well. Um, but for all that the number and the number of shots that we had, we only forced one save in the whole game, not counting the goal. So, you know, kind of dominated possession, but didn't really do a great deal with it. Um, I then took a look at the more advanced metrics, in this case, expected goals. Um, in case you've not seen one of the expected goals charts, uh, they're essentially line graphs that plot the value and the frequency of shots taken by a team during 90 minutes, uh, with the line moving upwards with an increasing frequency and quality of shot. Uh, so a tap-in from two yards is is worth more than a 25-yarder in terms of the, I guess, the likelihood in which it would be a goal in those circumstances drawn from a, a, a vast pool of data of similar shots. Um, a big part of why this is interesting to me is uh, it allows you to take the kind of um, your, your eye test first impression of the game, so what we draw from having sit and watched it with our own eyes, and see if the data backs it up or, you know, if you're actually wide of the mark in in your your instant summary of the game. I mean, you know, multiple times this season I've left the ground feeling, uh, you know, one way about a game and kind of heard people saying something completely the opposite. I mean, I think the, the Brentford game uh, right at the start of the season, I thought that Brentford looked really good and, you know, very, very classy in possession and created lots of chances. But leaving the ground, you know, the... There's people sort of uh, jumping into my conversation, I guess, and saying like, "Oh no, I don't think they were that good." Uh, you know, we we were on top for most of the game, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, this is where I think um, the advanced metrics like expected goals um, become more interesting to kind of give you a, a slightly more objective and empirical view on on how a game actually panned out. Um, it's it's not a perfect measure expected goals, uh, which you know most people who actually deal in actually put these statistics together are, are quite open about, uh, and some sources even rate it differently. Um, 
Some only look at shots taken, whereas others include the more subjective chances. For example, uh, a cross that just evaded an attacker six yards out. On on one model, that wouldn't actually be recorded as a shot because no shot actually took place. But another model would record that as a as a good opportunity and you know something that in if you repeated the circumstances, there would be a a percentage chance that it would end up in the back of the net. But either way, and even with its imperfections, uh, it allows for kind of useful match-to-match comparisons of performance. Um, and for this, I was looking at the data provided by the website Experimental Three Six One, which is um, looks at all four divisions in English in the English league. Um, so the expected goals for our draw with Birmingham has us at one point three goals to Birmingham's zero point two. So in terms of goals scored, we we got about what we deserve from this game. That kind of says we didn't create too many good opportunities. Um, Although you have to say we're pretty unlucky to concede one. Um, For context, Birmingham's uh, expected goal score was lower than every other team in the division in this weekend's fixture um, by by a significant margin, I think by about 0.5. You know, there's a reason that was only their 10th goal in 18 matches. So, yeah, I think you can say, you know, if you take all the stats into account, you know, we dominated the game. But when you only create uh, a 1.3 expected goal or that kind of figure, you know you do run the risk of a of a very good or very fluky goal denying you the three points. I mean that's that's the fine margins of football. Um, unlike other sports, like I don't know, take uh, basketball or American football, um, where there's there's more scoring, which means that the the better teams usually get what they deserve. There's you know it's sort of pan evens out over the game they have more opportunities to score um and there's a, they're, they're generally higher scoring so yeah it kind of evens out that way um but i guess ultimately this is the root of what makes football so interesting to watch and why we you know alternately jump for joy or tear our hair out you get a game like this where it feels like you're well on top and the opponent scores from a single long range shot so it makes it all the more frustrating that we drew right um but the fact does remain that we weren't very creative ourselves in terms of fashioning high-quality scoring shots. Most of our efforts were coming from long range, as opposed to the last three games where we've had a number of close-range shots or or we've managed to create one-on-ones. Um, the next thing I wanted to to look at, sort of specifically drilling into um, the goal that we did concede, because um, I, I guess we do need to talk about the fact that we are conceding all these goals from long range. Uh, it's four in our last four games now. So that's uh, that's obviously Fulham, Birmingham, Hull, and Burton. You've all all scored from long range against us. Um, this may be a statistical quirk rather than a genuine trend. Um, you know, I I don't feel like we're extremely vulnerable to conceding from long range. You know, it's it's completely false to say we have a dodgy goalkeeper or you know teams frequently score goals like this against every other um every other opponent you know the fact remains these are generally low percentage chances that the opposition have been scoring from in these last four games um but that said the last four have come from similar areas of the pitch um they've all come sort of centrally on our right with the opponent given time to control the ball to either dribble inside or open up their body or have a couple of touches and steady themselves so there is definitely something to work on here. Um, I think it's harsh to pin the blame on Carter Vickers, even if they're coming from what would typically be his area of the pitch. He's obviously been playing as our sort of right-sided, right-sided centre-half for um, the last few games. Um, you know, if you look at the Birmingham goal, it comes from a partially cleared corner. Uh, from the replays, it's actually a breakdown between Fleck and Duffy that leads to the opening for Boga, who scored the goal. 
you know, Fleck closes him down from the corner, but in doing so, he actually ushers him inside onto what proves to be a stronger foot. Uh, and Duffy is too far away to close the space. So, you know, I think it's it's simplistic and unfair to say, oh, Carter Vickers should be closing down these opportunities much more quickly and, you know, denying the space. But at the same time, you know, there is definitely a, a, something to be worked on there in terms of the defence closing that space and potentially ushering people outside rather than allowing them inside, as we've definitely done in these last few games. Um, I mentioned in real time, that uh, in my my instant reaction at halftime, I think it was, that I wondered if Blackman could have done more to save this shot, uh, having got fingers to it. Um, I think stepping back, I do think that is unfair. Uh, it's it's an extremely well struck shot. Uh, you know, you, you can't exactly say it's a sort of floating curled effort that sort of sails into the top corner. You know, it, it's hit very hard. Uh, it swerves back in towards goal, and it it also having looked at the replays, it goes over and through a number of bodies as well. So, chances are he didn't have a fantastic sight of it anyway. Um, we've also seen Blackman's agility plenty of times this season. You know, he's made uh, a lot of really good saves during the season, uh, and that plus the fact that he's a tall lad suggests more to me that it's um, it's a case of him doing well to have got anything on it rather than, oh, he should have saved it because he got something on it. Uh, it's actually one of those weird situations where if he'd not got near it, he'd probably have drawn less criticism than he has for getting a touch to it. So the next thing I wanted to take a look at is average positions. Um, I always find these interesting to to, to review, uh, and SofaScore again provide them in their app. So this is the average positions of players during the game. It's it's not without drawbacks, as with uh, much of these things. You know, naturally, if a player covers covers a lot of ground during the game, then they they have a wider variation in which they appear on the pitch at any one time. But it's certainly a useful guide of the the flow of a game, uh, as well as specific roles that players occupied during the match outside of the standard 3-5-2, 4-4-2, etc. Um, if you want to see these graphics themselves, then uh, check my Twitter, which is at BNMKN, or um, you know, download the SofaScore app and look them up in there. They have them for all our games. Um, so as you might expect, the average positions of our players uh, against Birmingham reflects our dominance of this game. Uh, prior to the substitutions, only Wright and Carter Vickers spent more time in, in our half than in the opposition's. Now, considering we're playing a back three, that's quite the feat. Uh, O'Connell's average position was actually a good five or ten yards over halfway, with Stevens another 10 or 15 yards in advance of him. Uh, by contrast, Birmingham played very deep. Uh, they only had three players in our half, and even they were you know barely beyond the centre circle. They kept two central midfielders virtually level with two central defenders, uh, with a third defender even deeper. So this is in a central area. And that meant we had a lot of difficulty getting through the middle and we were forced out wide uh, where Stevens and Basham didn't have the best of games on the night, if we're being honest. Um, I also think these average positions give some insight into the roles and discipline of a couple of um, a couple of our players in particular, notably Lundstrom and Wright, who anchored while the rest of the team pushed forward. Wright's average position, if you if you look this up, is very deep. Like it's a good 20 or 30 yards deeper than Lundstrom, who's our other deepest player once Carl Vickers went off. Um, and I think I think that's probably more a reflection of the fact that he's the one centre-half to not push forward rather than him playing deeper than the rest of the defence all the time. Um, but this is why he's able to make a couple of important tackles in the first half. Um, 
he plays this covering role superbly and you know it is a big reason of why we can afford for O'Connell and and Carter Vickers to play much further up the pitch and and Basham when uh, he's been playing in that role as well Um, the other thing I wanted to highlight uh, it was interesting to me that Lundstrom played so deep in this game and against Fulham as well actually although partly that was influenced by the fact he dropped back to a more defensive role when we went into kind of all-out attack mode with Hansen on um, but yeah, he's he's been playing in a, a sort of proper midfield anchor role for the majority of these last two games. Um, but yeah, still broke forward on a couple of occasions to get shots away from the edge of the box um, with Fleck and Duffy playing ahead of him. Uh, so it, it would be nice to see him get a bit closer to Fleck, I think, when we have the ball to enable us to kind of keep recycling uh, possession if a move breaks down. Um, as that's something that Coots and Fleck were able to do so comfortably. But it's not like this has completely dropped out of our game since he's been starting. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it is encouraging to see that, you know, he has the... Th- this kind of data suggests that he has the discipline and the energy to play in, in our midfield uh, with Fleck and Duffy and to, you know, have the kind of dynamism we need to cover both defensively and in a holding position, but also to to get forward if necessary and support the attack. Um the other big conclusion I drew from this um, is is comes from the average position of Chris Basham, actually, in these last two games. Um, he's been playing a very advanced role. Out, you know, if you remove the front three of um, Sharp, Clark and Duffy, him and Stevens have been our most advanced players in these last two games. And this really underlines how important it is for us to get a natural right wing back back in the team. Um you know, you could see against Fulham how they really compressed the middle of the field. Uh, they had three men loitering centrally, which was McDonald, Kearney and Norwood, which gave us much less space in the centre, uh, forced us to get the ball wider, and that proved a weakness for us on the night without that natural wing-back. You know, to be to be clear, I think Basham's done a, a fine job out there. Um, it was particularly good filling in against uh, Ipswich, I thought, when Freeman got hurt. But it's definitely been a weak spot in our attacks, and, you know, we, we kind of, we, we've seen it, you know, you don't need the data to, to back it up, but we've kind of seen it with our eyes. We, we've got the ball wide quite comfortably in both of these games, but then it, it has tended to break down. Um, yeah, not to... I don't want to sort of portray Baldock as the messiah here, but I'll be amazed if we don't see a big improvement in um, in the balance of our attacks when he when he comes back into the team. Uh, plus, we get the added bonus of Basham moving back to his better position in the centre as well, where I think he's, he's actually probably played better than Carter Vickers has in that role. Um, there's also a lot of potential knock-on benefits here. I mean, obviously we have a bigger threat down the right if Baldock comes in, but that should mean that opponents could focus less on shutting down our left or the middle, uh, which should open up more time and space for our other creative players as well. So, yeah, I think the whilst, yeah, not to say that Baldock's going to, you know, destroy Millwall if he plays on Saturday, um, it should uh, it should give us a lot more balance and just generally open things up more for us than we've seen in the last game. Um I guess for what I've just said about Jake Wright, just to kind of circle back to that, uh, I can see that he might be the one to drop out when Baldock comes back. It is very harsh as he's been excellent, uh, but I don't think Wilder will stand on on sentiment if he thinks there's more attacking value in keeping Carter Vickers in the team, even with the stability that Wright gives. You know, even if you take into account his uh, his horror back pass against Fulham, you know, there's no question which of the two has better distribution of the ball for me. Um, I, I kind of feel like Wright would admit it himself, if I'm being honest. Um, but that you know that's why he plays this kind of holding central defensive role rather than someone who's constantly popping up in the opponent's half as Carter Vickers and um, and O'Connell do. 
Um, I'm looking forward to seeing if that proves accurate, if we do indeed see that uptick in performance when Baldock comes back, hopefully starting with our game on Saturday against Millwall. All right, so there we have it. Um, I thought that was uh, at least a percentage as interesting for you as it was for me to kind of uh, to look into why we drew that game rather than uh, rather than simply saying because Birmingham scored a cracking goal and we couldn't create too much. Um, and yeah, I think a few a few encouraging things to take out of out of the draw. Uh, you know, even if my initial feeling was one of frustration. Uh, so yeah, we have Millwall away on Saturday, which uh, you know we kind of always feel will be a tough game, but probably one that we should expect to win. I think so. I'm looking forward to hopefully Baldock coming back in. Uh, I wouldn't be totally surprised to see uh, to see Sharp rested. He was quite ineffective in um, certainly against Birmingham, who uh, you know kind of crowded that space. Um, so potentially potentially start for Brooks, possibly even. Um, you know, it wouldn't totally shock me to see Donaldson start the game in in his stead either. Um, so yeah, a couple of things there that could be interesting to see uh, what Wilder does and how it pans out. Um, but yeah, that's on Saturday. Uh, I will be back next week with a, a look at that game. Uh, so in the meantime, please do subscribe to the podcast, leave me a review, share with your your mates, um, and yeah, please get me on Twitter at bnmkn if you have anything to add to what I've said here. Um, But yeah, enjoy the match. I will be back next week. Thanks a lot.